Hello, everybody. This is Juliana Sauber. I'm excited to come back with another awesome topic. You know, I'm always learning. I'm always growing. I'm always finding out new things. So uh, along the way, this was something I had never thought about is that wine is something we enjoy. You know, we bring it into celebrations and family meals and sometimes, you know, a glass of wine at the end of a long day um, can be good. You know, we talk about the antioxidant benefits of grapes and things like that. But I really didn't have a concept of how um, toxic most wine is and how problematic it is from a health standpoint. And so I had stopped drinking it for a long time. And uh, I ran into Pia Saarinen, who's who's here with us today. And Pia opened my eyes to the fact that there is so much going on in the wine industry that we need to know about and how if wine is something you want to enjoy as part of your lifestyle, how to do it in a way that is still supportive of your lifestyle and not creating new problems or enhancing problems. So welcome, Pia. I'm super excited to have you here. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for asking me to join you on this little chat. Yeah. <laughs> Man, wine, what a topic. I mean, I guess we we don't talk about it enough in terms of it's, you know, I, I hear things like in the Mediterranean diet, they said, you know, a glass of red wine is beneficial for cardiovascular health. But for all of the things I'd looked into the ingredients of, there's really not much out there for what's in wine. Right. So, you know, can you can you kind of give us your background into how you got connected with clean wine and what it means to you? Sure. Sure, I'd be happy to. And you're right, a glass of wine, specifically red wine, has been proven that it does have beneficial, you know, um, effects on cardiovascular health, uh, etc. So you're right. And in Europe, um, it has been part of the, the equation and the just the, the culture there for, you know, thousands of years. But so my background is I've always been that that kind of crunchy, clean living, non-toxic mom, right? Vegetarian for most of my life. Yeah. You know, I do the non-toxic paint. I do the wool carpeting because I don't want off-gassing. So I'm, I'm mm -hmm. that like that end of the spectrum. And sure. wine, wine has always been part of my DNA. Like I, I've legally been drinking wine since I was 16. I grew up in Europe. Mm -hmm. So... But I never questioned, like truly never questioned. I'm a, I'm a label reader, right? I, when I buy things in the grocery store, I read the labels to make sure I'm not bringing preservatives home that I don't want in my body. Yeah. But I never, ever questioned why wine didn't have labels, right? Why isn't there an ingredient list on wine bottles? Right. Right. So mind blown. So it's about three years ago, a friend of mine um, introduced me to clean crafted wine. And I was like, okay. So she educated me on what I was actually drinking, right? Whether it was a box wine or whether it's just that, you know, I'm not going to call out names and call anybody else's wine, you know, baby ugly at this point. But whatever I buy from a grocery <laughs> store is typically a mass-produced, commercially grown wine, right? Yeah. And those are the ones where I just never even thought about the toxins that I was taking as I was drinking it, right? So yeah. the FDA allows up to 250 chemicals stabilizers, preservatives, enhancers, and gobs and gobs of sugar in mass-produced, commercially grown wine. Wow. And it's all that junk, really, that makes you feel like junk the next day, right? If sure. you're somebody who <clears throat> suffers from side effects, I mean, there's a lot of people who 
who think, oh, I'm allergic to sulfites. I can never drink red wine again because they wake up with a headache or hives or, you know, their bodies are reacting to the, to the chemicals that they're ingesting in that medicinal glass of wine at the end of the day. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, so it was was kind of this mind blown thing. Like, so for me personally, and I can't make medical claims about clean crafted wine. I can only talk about personal experience, but for me, I used to wake up like two o'clock on the dot with night sweats and heart palpitations after drinking wine the previous night on the dot, like, like clockwork. Yeah. And right. So at my age, I'm thinking, I was just thinking it was menopause, right? I was thinking it was my hormones. It's just something I'm going to have to live with. But I will tell you when I made the switch to clean crafted wine, those night sweats stopped on the dot. Wait. On the dot. And it turns out two o'clock in the morning for me personally was when my liver was in in overdrive cleaning, processing, right? Processing toxins. And so for me, that's, you know, there was a, there was a physiological reason why that was happening because it was all this added junk in this wine that I was drinking that my poor liver was trying to detoxify. So. Did I lose you? Nope. Are you here? I had a glitchy a moment. Sorry. good. Okay, I'll try not to move. I'm sorry. I'm sitting. I'm I'm sitting right next to my router. Literally, I could not be closer. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. So you stopped having the night sweats, which is awesome. And you're right. Between one and three a.m., the liver is processing and doing its work, and then it dumps everything out for elimination. So you were getting all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. What kinds of chemicals did you find are in those wines? That two, list of two hundred and fifty. So I probably couldn't even pronounce any of them. <laughs> there, there is a there is a list out there, um, and and what what they are are basically herbicides, pesticides, things that you would a farmer would use right while they're growing the grapes. So that's part of the part of the process yeah. is is the toxins that they're going you know uh, into the field on the grapes while they're growing. But then there's another process in winemaking where once those grapes have been picked and they they start going through the fermentation process, mass-produced wines, um, so they're basically kind of made in a lab, right? Yeah. So I need to backtrack here just a little bit. So we as consumers here in the states, we really like predictability, right? right. So so say there's there's you know our, our favorite bottle of wine is you know let's just say it's the sterling right so every time i go to the grocery store i expect that sterling cab to taste the same year after year after year because that's my favorite right. that's what i want to drink right but in reality the grapes don't really behave that way out in nature so your grape is going to taste different and it's going to produce a different tasting wine year after year depending on what mother nature's throwing at right them, right so if it's a dr- dry summer or a wet summer or you have an early frost or you have a cool summer the the grape and the sugar content in that grape and the thickness of the skins like all of that's going to change year after year and so technically that you know the wine that that grape produces is should taste different but because we consumers expect that predictability after wine's gone through its fermentation, it goes into a lab and then people can use all sorts of different chemicals and compounds and stabilizers and sugar and mega purple mm. to manipulate the viscosity, the color, yeah. the texture, the sweetness of that wine 
so that it does end up tasting the same as last year's Sterling and the years before and the year before, right? right. Or Apotique Red or Menage a Trois, you know, whatever your favorites are. Yeah. So, so that's what happens in like commercially grown mass produced wines. And with our wine, they're all grown by, I'm sorry, you asked me a question about the chemicals. Like I, I really, I could send you the list yeah. <laughs> of what's approved, but they're all like chemical compounds. Right. Um, but one of the things they do use, and I, I, this one I don't object to so much, but they use oak chips in the aging vessels yeah. to impart an oaky flavor because oak barrels are very, very expensive. So aging wine in an oak barrel um, is a costly process, sure. right? So, so they throw oak chips in to impart sort of an oakiness when they say it's an oak, oak aged, that becomes an oak aged Cabernet, right? right? <laughs> but, but that one I don't object to so much because it's wood, it's oak, right? Like I, I really don't, that one doesn't bother me as much as the other things that I can't even pronounce, right. um, including glyphosate, right? So there yeah. are organic wines out there, right? That a farmer could do everything right. But if that glyphosate is, which is the active ingredient in Roundup, for those of you guys who don't know, yeah. um, that can stay in the ground for like decades yeah. so you could be an organic farmer doing all the right things but if the guy next door to you is, is spraying roundup it can come through the groundwater and, and spray onto your grapes or it could simply be that you've only been organically farming for 10 years and whoever farmed before you used glyphosate and and that was in the ground right you know yeah so we actually we actually lab test so with our wines we send them to um two different labs one is for to ensure that there are no chemicals or added sugar in it. And then there's a, there's a standalone test just for this Roundup active ingredient as well. So well, that's awesome that there's testing involved. Yeah. I was completely mm -hmm. blown away and I'm, you know, I'm aware that there, you know, with glyphosate, there's overspray and it stays in the soil is very persistent along with Lord only knows what else has been sprayed on that field, including, um, 2,4-D, which is the active ingredient Agent Orange, which they're now spraying on some fields where glyphosate no longer works. So, mm. you know, there's that added and then they added dicamba and there's been several other additives and overspray is, is a really difficult thing because, you know, how do you actually find a super clean field? Um, yep. Yeah. So you, and we don't test foods the way we should really um, because it's, you know, it's obviously an expensive process. Um, yeah. And, and holding people to that standard when you have so many people demanding food, I know the food companies sometimes cut corners. Um, yeah. So. For sure. And, and right. So you're right. Testing is expensive. It's also really expensive to become USDA certified organic grower or farmer. Like if you are a small time farmer with just, you know, 10 acres of land, the the red tape and the bureaucracy and the, the time and expense that goes into certifying organic yeah. is and to get that USDA certification on your you know on your product yeah that's hard it's cost prohibitive yes. for many farmers well and truly and organic standards aren't what they used to be you know they've they've mm -hmm. they keep modifying and like letting little bits and pieces in there and then a recent law change rule change was that they could start to spray something until it was proven problematic. Yes. Which really yep. just, it, it kind of decimates the idea of organic in the first place, because we don't know what they've decided to put in there or on there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And there's no transparency, like, or very little transparency on that. Yeah. Like it's, 
those little rule changes, you think you're buying organic, you know, orange juice or whatever. And I, I guarantee most things that you buy organic, <clears throat> excuse me, organic are going to have glyphosate in it. Yeah. Just because of overspray or because it stays in the ground. Right. right. Um, so, I, I mean, I feel for the small farmers. I really do. No. Uh, it's it's not it's not an easy profession to uphold. No, it's not. Not by any means. Um, and there was discussions because I do a lot of work within the essential oil world um, about organic and better than organic. But the idea that uh, some companies hold to a standard that exceeds organic. And so we recognize organic because that's what everybody talks about, right? There's labeling for it and it's sort of a quote unquote accepted standard, but there are even so many loopholes within organic that companies Mm -hmm. that hold, hold their products and their growers to a higher standard um, do a beyond organic. And that sounds like what clean crafted is. I'm telling you, you could not have given me a better segue as you're describing that. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's absolutely describing clean craft. It is actually trademarked. Like our founder, Sarah Shadnex, trademarked that because it it does hold, we do hold our, our wine to a higher standard than organic, right? So it starts with all of our farmers either farm organically and or biodynamically, but then we also, we hold the, the wine making process to a higher standard, right? Yeah. No added sugars allowed. You'd be surprised how much added sugar there is in commercially grown wine or mass produced wine out there. Wow. So we don't add any sugar. We, we ferment to dryness. So whatever sugar that that grape produced naturally during fermentation, yeast gobbles it up, turns it into beautiful wine. And, and that's it. Right. There's that's, that's, a, that's all, you know, that's all she wrote. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was like, I'm so excited you're describing <laughs> this exceeding organic. And I'm like, well, yes, yes, that's us. That's us. That's, awesome. that's why we don't, I mean, we don't, we don't market our wine as, as natural or biodynamic or organic. They're all buzzwords out there, yeah. right? Like we, we truly, we've taken it a step further. And, and like I said earlier, you know, and these are not in-house tests. These are independent lab tests. Nice. So they go to C- ET- CTS labs out in um, University of uh, Davis out in California. Okay. So, all right, yeah, that's awesome. So you have a second or a, an outside entity, if you will, mm-hmm. managing and making sure that you meet a high standard. So that's Absolutely. super cool. Now, what does that holding to a high standard mean in terms of wine selection and you know what's available? Because you mentioned like this, you you want your wine. A lot of people expect their wine to taste the same year to year to year. Um, yeah, but the reality is your grapes or your, your apples don't even taste the same year to year to year. It, it, it's just mm-hmm. not the way nature is. Like you said, weather, water, sun, you know, all those things play a factor in it. Absolutely. Yep. So, so your question is about selections, right? Of well, what we have available and what we do. Yeah. yeah so selections and how we get there, because I think if people are coming in with an, with a belief that they're going to go to the same shelf on their wines rack and pull the same wine out, um, that may not necessarily be the case. And how do you select wines? Like, how do you, cause I, I know that the company is very, very specific about who gets in the selection. Yes. And so that Sarah Shadnex is our founder. I'm just going to go back two seconds with her. Mm-hmm. Um, we are only a three-year-old company. So we're, we're toddlers still in the e-com- e-commerce world. Yeah. Um, 
but she was a was a former lawyer has always loved wine and somewhere in her 30 early 30s she pivoted and decided to um, pursue her love of wine in in the mode of education and uh, she is a level three sommelier uh, which means she's got a very sophisticated palate mm -hmm. right so she started she originally started working in the wine world out in California but started getting horrific headaches after just drinking a glass or two of wine at night. Yeah. And so for her, she was just like, huh, as a, as a lawyer, she decided to start digging into why am I getting these side effects? Like, why am I feeling like junk after I drink wine? Okay. I'm not, I'll get to your answer here in a second. I just needed to give the background on Sarah for a little bit. No problem. So she, she then, she spent about 14 to 18 months, like really digging deep, like talking to winemakers, talking to wine growers, talking to uh, holistic health practitioners. She even had an MRI because she wanted to make sure she didn't have a brain tumor going. Like she was concerned, like maybe this is like a physical thing happening. Yeah. And after doing all that digging, she, she discovered what I shared or earlier, which is that, that, you know, most wines contain all these chemicals and added sugars that, that really kind of mess with you, make you feel like junk. So she decided, she's like, okay, well, I'm going to rectify that. I'm going to start a company that, that sources and shares clean crafted wine. Right. right. So her sourcing is not, I don't, we're not privy really to that. Like she, she, she meets growers. We have a few winemakers on staff, but she partners with growers across the globe. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and it, it starts with making sure that philosophically they align with who we are, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The second step is the, the wine's got to be delicious that they're producing. Otherwise, they're not going to make shelves. So right. it goes through her, her standards of what tastes delicious. And then it goes through testing before we ever even decide whether we're going to go to market with them or not. Wow. So that's sort of the background of how they get tested. And fun fact here, uh, only 3% of the wines grown worldwide meet our standards on paper. So get that number. 3% of wines grown stand worldwide meet our standards on paper. Out of that 3%, only 15% pass our labs. Wow. So it's a pretty select group. And yeah. one of the reasons why Sarah founded this company was she just really wanted to bring transparency to the wine world and offer people a, a better, who choose to partake in adult beverages, right? Yeah but offer them a, a healthier option, which is right. what we have. And um, we have been known to drop partners. There were a couple of years ago, we had a um, Argentinian uh, grower. There were two brothers who grew, it was a lovely, lovely Malbec cab mix. Mm -hmm. And we, we carried them the first year I was with the company. And then the next year I was in, you know, eagerly anticipating the next release. And it turns out that we, somebody messed with the wine they didn't pass lab tests that year oh wow so sarah was like you know i, I want to continue working with you guys but somebody's got to clean up their act before we look at this again next year oh my yeah yeah well, it happens you got to do that so, well and I, you know as a winemaker i'm sure you are very tempted to correct flaws right so if you're yeah. Your wine just comes out a little tartar than you're, you know, than you're happy with or has higher tannins or is, you know, whatever, maybe, you, you know, a perceived flaw to them that that's not quite what they wanted. Yeah. I could see, I could see why somebody would be tempted to just, you know, add a sweetener or adjust the, you know, adjust the flavor with 
something that's going to make it more viscous or whatever. Right. Like, I, I get it. I, I get it. But, but we don't, we don't condone it, so to speak. So that's, yeah. that's like the selection process. Like it's got to taste delicious, then it's got to pass our standards. Then we, you know, might take them to market. Right. Um, and with that said, because, because we work with small growers, you know, it's a, it's limited production wines. So our inventory turns over quite frequently. Mm-hmm. So I always tell my customers, Hey, if you love that wine, stock up on it because it may not be around next month when you're ready for refills. <laughs> you know? I still so. have a bottle of that Rosé that I'm saving for Christmas time. So, well, I don't know if you saw, but we just launched the 2020 version of it. Oh, sweet. Are you talking about Dove Hunt Dog? Uh, no. It, remember that Rosé that I fell in love with? What was it? I thought remember. it was the Dove Hunt Dog, the one with the really tall, the, the really tall bottle. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was. Yeah, I think that was it. And we ju- literally today launched the 2020 version of it. So you don't have to hoard it anymore. You don't have to hoard it. You can stock up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't drink often and I stopped drinking for a long time because I refuse to feel like garbage you know, in the morning. So um, actually, I wouldn't even get through some glasses of wine, I'd be two sips in and hand it to my husband or dump it down the the pipe, because I just couldn't, couldn't do it. I was having responses to it. So yeah, I like that I can enjoy um, a glass of wine at dinner or hanging out with friends or whatever. So that's really nice. I like it. Um, Well, your, your story is really typical. Like, I can't tell you how many people I've I've run across who, you know, they would have these side effects or even for me, I, you know, I would feel fuzzy in the morning, but I'd be like, well, you know, it's just, it was just par for the course. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't have had that second glass of wine. Maybe I should have just had the one my fault. Right. <laughs> but right. I didn't realize how different I felt like until mm. I felt the difference until right. I wake up, you know, now I wake up in the morning and I'm not groggy. I'm not fuzzy. Like I can, uh, there've been nights where we've put a bottle away and I feel just fine the next day. Right. right? Like right. it's remarkable, truly remarkable. And so here's the other side effect for me personally, again, can't make health claims, but, um, and I do drink more wine than you do, Julianne, I think um, <laughs> on a more regular basis, but you know, after switching, after switching, I lost 10 pounds. I'm, I'm 50. Like at this age, you know, my, my hormones are slowing down my metabolism slowing down. It's not easy to lose weight at my age. I wasn't looking to lose weight, but it, it, I lost 10 pounds and it was an unintended, you know, consequence. I was like, holy mackerel, like this is remarkable. I didn't change anything else for me. It was the added sugars. Like it was just cutting the, cutting those added sugars out. It's like, whoa. It's amazing how that, how they creep mm -hmm. in and you don't know they're there. So And for people with insulin issues or people with like, who are sensitive to sugar spikes in their body, they're probably not thinking, you know, about that, excuse me, that, that sweet white wine that they're drinking. They're not thinking of the, 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 the havoc that that added sugar spike is doing to their bodies as they're enjoying that glass of wine, because they're unaware of how much sugar is in it. Well, how much, how much sugar did you tell me is in the average white wine? Uh, well, average is really hard to say, but, you know, bad news for those of you guys who love a Moscato or a Riesling, like a sweet Moscato or a Riesling, that can have a hundred grams of added sugar That's in a insane. liter. That's a liter, right? <clears throat> I'm not saying they all do, but at the worst, it can have a hundred grams of added sugar. Now, That's a bottle insane. is three. Yeah, it is. It is. 
I think we're women are only supposed to have something like 25 grams of added sugar per day. Yep. And that's, that's, right. that's the sugar. Yeah. That's the sugar in your coffee. That's the sugar that you're taking in outside of like natural fruits and, and foods. Right. Well, that even accounts that's for my... bread because bread converts. To yes. Sugar. So yep. and rice and yep. everything else. So yep. All those yeah. carbohydrates. Yep. Oh, no sure. wonder we're carrying that spare tire. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I, I, it's, it's mind boggling to me. Like I, my eyes have just been open through this journey to, wow, like people don't know. And that's why I love doing this. And that's why I'm so glad you invited me to chat about this in this podcast, because it's like, if you don't know, if you don't know better, you don't do better. Right. right? But when you know there's an option and you know that, oh my gosh, I could actually make this part of my lifestyle and not feel junky or you know keep adding pounds on or right. you know maybe I need to train my palate not to drink 100 grams of sugar yeah <laughs> you know? there is that yeah mm -hmm. yeah oh my gosh wow um well good I think this was an awesome awesome intro so if people want to get a hold of this wine where do they find it and where do they find you so my company's called Scout and Cellar and my website is www.scoutandseller, so that's S-C-O-U-T-A-N-D-C-E-L-L-A-R forward slash PIA, P-I-A. Okay. So scoutandseller.com forward slash PIA. Yep. Awesome. That's great. Yep. And I, I, I love making recommendations. I love talking to people about wine. So um, the, uh, can I give my... my my phone number, my email address, maybe my email address. If anybody's got questions. Yeah. Give them whatever you want to give out. Okay. So my web, my, um, sorry, my, my Gmail address is wine with Pia.com. So okay. wine with Pia.com. And gmail. I truly, I love edge. Pardon me. Is that at Gmail? Sorry. At gmail.com. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. So, and I do love, I, I love learning people's palates and making recommendations based on those palates. I love educating, love answering questions. I, I just, I love everything about this journey. So yeah, yeah. super blessed to be doing this. Yeah. You did an awesome tasting for us. Um, just very informative, lots of good information. I fell in love with the Gallivants. Um, <laughs> such a great, a great grouping of wines. Um, I like them all. And then um, I do like the Dove Hunt Dog. The red and the yeah. rosé, both amazing. So, um, tell those guys at those two wineries they better keep their keep their nose clean because <laughs> we, we need to keep those wines around. So, yeah, they will. You know, the Dove Hunt dog. Like this is, I love the stories behind these. The Dove Hunt dog actually comes from a um, an elderly farmer in Mendocino County. Um, he's like he's eighty three, and he used to grow for one of the big conglomerates, and mm. they no longer wanted to. They they were asking him to do things that he wasn't philosophically aligned with, so he broke ties with them, and and was a, he was adrift for a little while, right? He he didn't have a way to get his wine to market until Sarah met him, and we've signed a partnership with him, and he's just amazing, like the stories he tells, and he's just really dedicated to the craft of growing and making wine. So that's cool. So that your, your dove hunt dog is not going to go away. <laughs> I just Pete found Peter. the rose. Yeah. I just found the rose on the website. So, you know, I just placed my order last next week. I'll have to place another one or it's, next week. It's yeah. back. It's back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, oh, super cool. Um, well, good. I, um, 
I hope everybody loves this, uh, the idea that they can continue to enjoy uh, time in, with friends and family and do it in a clean way that still supports their health. Um, and people might think it's strange that me as a naturopath is encouraging people towards alcohol, but I also believe in stress relief. And I also believe in the power of community and togetherness and laughter and time together. And sometimes that's made better with a glass of wine. So I'm okay with that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And everything's in balance, right, Juliana? Yeah, like everything's absolutely. in balance. It's yeah. like life's meant to be enjoyed. And it is. A, a lovely glass of wine is just, you know, like pudding on the cake, right? Absolutely. absolutely. Or cherry on a cherry on a cake. I never get those things right. <laughs> <laughs> cherry on a Sunday, icing on a cake. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. Well, good. All right. Well, sounds good. We'll sign up for sign off for today, but thank you again so much for taking time to chat with everybody. Oh, I enjoyed this. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was really enjoyable. Thank you. All right. Pia, take care. All right. See ya. Bye. It's Juliana, Cycle Breaker. I'm so excited to have you listen to the podcast. I know that you're going to get great ideas, great tips to take charge, take the reins back for your life, break through, do some awesome stuff, break those cycles that are holding you back from living your best life. If you want to find me and connect with me, I'm at Whole Body Renewal Center on Facebook, the website. You can find me on Facebook under Juliana Sauber. And I'm on Instagram, so come find me and let's chat. And if you want to work one-on-one -on -one with me to break cycles in your life, break habits, break addictions, and break through, find me on one of those platforms and let's do this thing. You've got an awesome life. Let's make this thing rock.